0: listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here is your host, Jeff Harding. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You are listening to episode 15, If You Have Faith. That title is taken from Matthew 21 where after Jesus curses the fig tree, his disciples are questioning him about it, and he talks to them about having faith and what can happen when you have faith. He says in verse 22 that whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And as the COVID-19 pandemic presses on and many restrictions are still in place for gathering together in person, having faith in our ability and God's timing with everything has been getting a bit more difficult the longer this pandemic drags on. And I know I've seen lately in several online youth ministry groups that I'm a part of that people are getting tired, they are worried, uh, people are losing their jobs. And so instead of talking about... Um, what we normally talk about on these episodes, which are normal ministry things like networking or mission trips and things like that. I wanted to have an episode where we talk about what's going on right now and some big concerns and things on the top of our list right now in ministry. And a lot of it is um, simply needing encouragement and creativity for how to uh, have good programming, how to have good time with our students and be able to care for ourselves because many of us probably haven't taken a day off or very many days off since the beginning of COVID because it's taken a lot to keep our students involved when they are tired of meeting online and if we take uh, too much time away, we feel like those already floundering and stagnant programs might fail completely. So to talk about all of that today uh, with me is my buddy Hector Martinez. Hector is up in Seattle. Uh, He's been doing youth ministry for several years, and we have uh, a great conversation about what uh, classifies something as successful, especially right now when we're doing ministry. Um, How do we take Uh, the changes that COVID has created and roll with them as we try to make our approach to ministry fluid and able to adapt. And where are the spaces of margin? Where are the pockets in our schedule where we can get away, unplug, be unavailable and be able to recharge and be reminded how treasured we are by our heavenly father and how it's not up to our effort, but us being dependent and used by Him for His glory. So, let's hop into that conversation with Hector. Hector, thanks for hopping on the podcast with me today, man. Uh, For those who don't know you, could you give us a quick rundown of who you are and what you're up to these days?
1: Yeah, uh, so I am a youth and family pastor Uh, up here in seattle washington kind of the corner just tucked over into the corner of the country right um i'm a youth and family pastor at a church i've been here about six years um, and i yeah have loved it up here i'm originally from texas and so just been a, a fun kind of discovery of what ministry is like up here so um yeah
0: Cool, <laughs> very cool, man. Uh, so, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, we'll be talking about how ministry creative, creatively sparks um, some some things, and uh, our ministry creativity uh, is always something that needs to be uh, around us when we're thinking about programming and approaching students. Um, and this pandemic of COVID nineteen that we're in is a reminder that creativity and new approaches don't always happen because a current approach isn't working. Uh, Sometimes, and more often, if we would realize it, new and better methods of ministry and discipleship are the right choice when the current method is actually still successful. Uh, In order to not cut off any direction our dialogue takes us, that's about as specific as I want to get right now, as we start our discussion. Uh, so Hector, what have you been learning about your ministry approaches and heart behind them in the midst of this odd pseudo wandering season of ministry that we all find ourselves in?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think as I, I've obviously with, I think in Seattle we've been locked down for six months now. And so that's a lot of time to reflect. That's a lot of time to even worry but, as I've been doing reflecting, I just I keep coming back to um, you know, what we were doing was going really well, right? There was nothing necessarily uh, wrong with it. Uh, we we had a vision, we had our mission. We were moving towards our goals. Uh, but with the current lockdown and, and the uh, hardships, the obstacles to gathering, It really may not be the best option. Um, And so, as I even yesterday and the day before, just sitting down, uh, looking at the table, right, of what are our options? What could we do? Um, And I think, yeah, I've always in the back of my head uh, had different approaches that might work or could work or uh, potentially, yeah, uh, would be places that we could go in our ministry. But I think ultimately, the heart of what we do in ministry and where I'm trying to have our leadership go, and, and really uh, helping our understand uh, our parents understand where we're trying to go with youth ministry, like didn't change. It was the method of how that plays out, and so uh, I always tell our leaders that you know we're really calling our students uh, up and out into something you know more. Um, and so that, that could mean uh, on one night, we may be celebrating a student who is shy, giving another student a high five, right? Uh, obviously, that's a no-no right now, but uh, that's a very, like, that might be the success story of the night or that a student who claims that they don't know anything about the Bible. Uh, one time we we're sitting around a table having a, a discussion about the um, the resurrection, right? And Students are, I don't know. I don't know this story. Well, okay, so what about this? What about this? They're starting to just give these stories. That's a success. Uh, and it's really the heart of, that heart doesn't change even though we're not able to gather, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, how do you think your students overall have responded uh, since all your programming has moved to online or if you're in person, way spaced out? How, how do you think they've adjusted? What, what are you and your leaders feeling about their response to this adaptation that you guys have had to do for your ministry.
1: Yeah. You know, we moved to the, the zoom calls, um, early on, um, and students, obviously all their schooling was gone online as well. And so it became a real kind of very apparent to us that like our gatherings were not effective online. Um, you know, we were putting a lot of work into it. we started actually, we're like, okay, so the the Zoom calls aren't working. What if we did a pre-recorded video, sent it out, had the students like they get four days to watch it and then come and discuss it? That didn't work um, because uh, they're in school all day and they're tired of looking at the screen. Um, we just noticed that it was, it was just really really hard to do anything online. Uh, we're a small youth group as it is, and so you know if. of our kids are missing or if two families are missing, that's a huge chunk of our ministry uh, that's not there. Um, And so it it really was a, we took a break in August and July, and now through August uh, of meeting regularly, because we were tired of seeing students come to the online gathering and, and just, Dropping out, and then eventually, the kids who were showing up, you could just tell they were just tired of looking at a screen. And, and ultimately, I wanted to best serve students by if you're going to have to suffer by looking at a screen, I want you to finish school well, and then we can figure out if, if we can continue this with uh, with our ministry. You know, at our leadership gatherings, we've stayed meeting every other week um, as leaders, and we've just Basically, we had decided with all the phases that our uh, our governor had put out that, you know what, let's stop planning for the, the one that we're about to be in because we're going to figure out a plan and then it's going to change. Let's let's plan for the next one, right? Just kind of try to think ahead. And then, of course, now we're, we're actually our entire state is frozen in the, the phases that we're in. So there is no ap- applying for the next phase. There is no moving towards the next thing. And so we're kind of in the state of limbo right now. Um, So honestly, it's frustrating, you know, as as I'm sure you've heard from, uh, you know, in your ministry and in others, uh, that ministry is just frustrating right now.
0: Yeah, frustrating is a word that um, (laughs) it sums everything up well. And um, I I think uh, the process of anticipating and then drawing back and having students just have Zoom fatigue, be overwhelmed. Um, and not want to engage, uh, it's hard enough to engage authentically and in a real deep way in in a long-term setting online. But to yeah. have that be the, the only uh, method is very limiting and certainly frustrating, not just for the students, but for you. Uh, right. And I have a very strong feeling that a lot of people listening right now who have their own ministries, uh, are pretty much experiencing what you just described. Uh, right. and breaks, breaks are good. Um, I know with our youth ministry, uh, we usually start fall programming at the end of August. And this year I'm moving that up a, a few weeks because they're all starting school and it's online. So there's not really, much of a distinct change. It's a new school year, but everything just feels like it has been. You're at home and you're online. And so I'm trying to get some new programming and get and get and get some new elements in that say, hey, it's new. Here's some refreshing things, but we're taking a little two week break off from meeting on Sundays and our other online programming just to kind of give everyone a break. So when everything starts back up and there's new elements, it kind of feels okay, hopefully this gives you some new motivation and, and energy to engage. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good um, picture to paint because obviously when we think about engaging our students, we want to make sure that what we're doing sets them up well. Um, but, but sort of what you and your leaders have been talking about lately and Hector, what you've been kind of thinking about, about, you know, is this successful? Is the heart behind my ministry... The same, or am I just getting caught up in programming and methods? You know, and that's why I kind of referenced it as a pseudo-wandering season. Um, and uh, you know, there have been several youth ministry books published in the last few years that contain studies and observations of sociological trends to help us not only prepare for what's to come, but to start approaching and practicing things now with all of that in mind. You said, you know, there's phases in our in our city and in our state, but we need to think about what are we doing right now? Because if we try and plan for the future, that's going to change. And that scenario shouldn't just be present with our thinking during a pandemic. It should be present all the time because right. we really don't know what's happening next week. We're not promised next week. And it doesn't mean that everything to go into this one program and all the emphasis is there and if it doesn't go well then it's a failure but it does mean that we should start being intentional with what we have now even if it's subtle changes you know we can't think well maybe in the in the summer we'll we'll try this and we'll address this but for now we'll just put it on autopilot and let it go and that's the easiest thing to do from a planning and preparation standpoint but really you know we should be maximizing our time with the students because we don't really get much time anyway. And now, especially during a time like this, the time that we do have, they're kind of turned off. They don't really want to be engaging online. Um, So as we have all kind of read those books and maybe as you have some, have read some of those books and studies, um, you know, what have, well, first of all, what have you been reading and what do you think youth ministries need to be mindful of as we move rapidly into this undiscovered ministerial and sociological territory
1: yeah uh so before the pandemic when i had a lot more time to read you know my my life got a lot busier with the pandemic because i'm sure several of you know your listeners it's kind of the case right uh but when i when i had time to read really what sort of I've always had sort of that thinking of, like, there, there's a different way that's that's happening. Um, at the time when that was starting, I always felt like, oh, man, maybe I'm just an oddball, you know? Like, maybe, maybe this isn't. Maybe I'm just kind of thinking too far, you know, down the road. Uh, but I read um, Growing Young for the Fuller Youth Institute, and that really uh, kind of jump-started uh, just the thinking of, like, okay... Really being able to say, okay, I, I see some strengths in our church, in our, our church family, uh, that that are going to lend itself to this, but but they, you know, just because it's happening naturally doesn't mean that it can't get better, right? With right. The vision, and so that was kind of the the thing that really started like the wheel spinning, and then um, I read. Must have been, I bought a bunch of books from the youth cartel because they were having a sale and, you know, you always try to to buy stuff on sale Absolutely, to that budget. Um, but stuff like, books like um, Youth Ministry 2027 um, uh, from, I believe, Brock Morgan. And mm-hmm. one of the things that struck me in that book the, the most that I could just always pull back is, you know, he, he just like, all right our students, what do you need? What, what would be like a, a ministry that serves you? How are we going to build that? How are we going to do that? What are the parts that you're going to be a part of and you're going to build? And there was this thing that goes, oh my goodness, that's so different from that weight's put on me, right? To like uh, the last episode that I listened to uh, with Dr. Andrew Rue, he said, right, like to curate that youth ministry experience, that youth group experience, it's, that's what I felt like. I felt like that kind of relieved that, um, And then the other book that really has just been something that even today I'm thinking through is um, Matt Overton wrote uh, Ministry and Marketplace. Um, And that is such a, to me, um, a parallel, a a little bit of a parallel to my church's environment. Um, And so briefly, Matt basically started a for-profit business so he could do ministry with students. But teach them life skills, and that isn't youth group, but it is very much youth ministry. And Absolutely, so, yeah. Those are those are the books, and um, that really I've been kind of have shaped some of my thinking.
0: Yeah, man, I love that. Uh, I I love that distinction that you just made: youth group and youth ministry. You know, speaking of Andy Root, uh, that's a big point in in his book uh, about how eighties and nineties. Youth ministry, youth group was synonymous with youth ministry. And now as we get into these sociological trends and realize how our students and people overall are being changed by technology, by the rapid social trends that now happen, you know, on a weekly basis, not a yearly basis, um, and how we're trying to still answer that question of who am I, what is my identity, what does it look like? And if youth ministry is not just an hour of Bible study on Sunday mornings and an hour of games and outreach on on Wednesday nights, what does it look like seven days a week? Where does it happen? How is it long-term, not just short-term for attendance numbers and results, right? Um, And yeah, teaching life skills, Um, I know that's something that just in school overall There have been a lot of people who, you know, going through college um, or even out of college who have said, you know, these one or two classes in in high school to me were more valuable than the majority of my college classes because of how practical they are and how I actually use them today. Uh, Mark Matlock um, actually just posted something um, a few weeks ago on Facebook asking, you know, if you had not been able to go to college and you went straight from high school into a career, which there are several people who do that, what two or three classes in high school did you take or would you loved to have taken in order to help you now? And he had a ton of comments and responses to that. And so if we have students now in high school, what can we help them with practically for their daily life, but also how do we take what's spiritually present around us and in their faith? and Interweave that in with their practical day-to-day life, and i you know, and when I think of marketplace and Christians in the marketplace, that's what I think of. It's like, you know, being in the marketplace isn't necessarily putting a church right in the middle of, uh, you know, next to the fish market up there, you know. Uh, But what does it look like to be working at the fish market and to love Jesus and to interact with people? Based on that every day, right? Um, and uh, I know that you uh, work at a coffee shop, uh, and so you get to experience meeting people and seeing what it's like for a believer to be in the marketplace. Um, so, real quick, how how does that interaction and your other job uh, how does that help your ministry, and how does it help your your perspective on how to teach students and how to guide students as they enter that world?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I think first, I mean, really practically it, it, um, it takes me out of the bubble of the church. I mean, even out here in Seattle, you know, where, um, the church is there's not necessarily one in every corner and a lot of churches that are starting actually close. Uh, so that, but that bubble still exists. Right. Um, so it takes me out of that bubble. Um, it helps me with the paychecks. I can live up here, right? Uh, but it, but because of that, I understand the struggle um, that many people here uh, have, which is multiple jobs, just trying to make things meet, right? Um, and and it, it helps me too, with the conversations that you can have over a cup of coffee in 90 seconds or a minute, or because we're a, a mobile coffee shop, some people can actually still, even through the pandemic, Um, hang out for a little while, you know, in their break from work and, you know, resting their eyes right from their computer screens. Um, But so it really helps keep me connected to really the conversations that, so, you know, we have what's represented in media and we have what's represented in social media, uh, but when you get face-to-face with someone and they let, you know, their opinion, you know, out you're able to, because now we're having a face-to-face conversation, we're able to, to engage that in a different way. Uh, one of the things I was reflecting on today was actually that, that if we could, you know, what might youth ministry mean for in this moment? And, and if it hasn't already, it should be, how do you walk into some of these conversations without compromising your faith, um, without, uh, without abandoning faith, you know, or, or things that you believe and how do they actually help some of this conversation? So I think that's, that's kind of what those things, you know, being a part of that has, has helped me. I think, you know, there's something I, so I live uh, just around the corner from our church building and the coffee shop is posted up two blocks from my house. Uh, and we roast coffee across the street from where we have the coffee, the mobile shop. Uh, the truck, if you will, and it is a truck. But what that does when someone goes, oh, you live in the neighborhood and you work here and you guys roast your coffee across. Oh, and you're a youth pastor in this neighborhood. And so our neighborhood isn't like, you know, the, the nice, you know, neighborhood that people are flocking to. And so when people hear that and they go, oh, the business does actually stand behind being for the neighborhood why well because that so many of us the, the church started the business to be to one not just to be connected in a neighborhood so we could have an evangelistic opportunity that's great that's awesome but really it's because we really believe in the benefit and good of this neighborhood right that god cares for it and so when we get to be in that and, and be around that um our actions back up our you know um uh, Preached beliefs, if you will.
0: So, yeah, I love that, man. I love that. Um, you know, uh, a lot of these conversations, kind of like the ones that we're having, where it's almost a po- you know, a tapestry of many conversations within one. You know, I feel right. like this is sort of um, what the usual conversations are between people in, in ministry. And, you know, when you listen to podcasts and uh, you know, there's one huge conversation on this topic or that topic. When we talk to people just on a regular basis, but also people in ministry, usually it's not, let's spend 45 minutes talking about one topic. Usually it's like we start here and zigzag and talk about all these things. And this is a sort of dialogue that we need, especially in a a pandemic, you know, just <sighs> unprecedented social Spiritual, mental, emotional, physical change. You know, uh, my first full-length episode, episode two, was about doing ministry in the in the pandemic, um, and it deserves more than just one conversation. And you know, just uh, what's evident from hearing you talk about what you've talked about so far is it's a multifaceted, layered change and it's fluid and ministry has to be fluid and it's hard because when we establish like for programming especially if we think it's successful programming we want to establish these parameters and say okay if i stay in these parameters and students are able to catch on to a b and c then we'll be successful and we have to move forward like that when really especially when you make the analogy to Twitter or social media, it's a stream. And when you provide a, cons- a a consistency of heart and programming and vision, wherever students can plug in and catch it, whether they log on every other Sunday or every Sunday or every six weeks, they're able to still see there's a consistency here. And what Hector's providing, and what this church is is doing, and what God is doing in this community, right? And no. so it has to be fluid and flexible. And I think you have a really great uh, perspective on that. Working at the coffee shop uh, and having your church being in the neighborhood, and you're all there. For that reason. And it's not just to say, well, this is our territory. So now everyone here is good. You know, it's, it's really like we love this neighborhood. We love these people and we want to be here in multiple ways. But at the root of it yep. is our hope in Christ, right? Um, and I, I love that perspective, man. I love that. Um, one of the episodes I also had a few episodes ago was on self care. So I kind of want to transition to that. Uh, I was able to talk with my friend, Scott, about self-care for ministers. And I noticed on Instagram, we are Instagram buddies, uh, that you recently got away by yourself for a bit. And up in the Pacific Northwest, there are tons of great spots uh, where you can do that. Uh, So what can you tell us about how reflection and self-care in the midst of this crazy time has helped restore and refresh you in many ways uh yeah we'll start with that question and now move on to the second question in a little bit but man how has reflection and self-care helped you lately in the midst of this, of this crazy season
1: yeah you know so originally that weekend the retreat weekend was supposed to be just an airbnb right that in a staff meeting one of the other staff members just suggested hey man you've been working pretty hard like it's been months of this like uh, Pre recorded sermons and like hustling, and I'm still working shifts at the coffee shop. You just need a weekend away. Like, let's just book you a week and away, right? It's like, awesome, cool. Uh, yeah, I would love to get out of town, drive, and not have any responsibilities, right? And uh, about two weeks before that, this Christian retreat center emailed a bunch of churches, and that's how I ended up at that uh, retreat center that I posted about. You know, and I didn't, I didn't really know. And I guess this is getting to the second question, but um, I didn't really know how much I needed that. Like, because it was easy for me to go, you know what, right now the church can't gather. I have all these like semi hobby skills that I can put together to help accomplish the online service. Right. And so I just, I speed ramped the learning curve uh, to the Help make that happen, uh, but it turned into months of it of just uh, being busy. And you know, I told you we took a break from youth ministry. That played a part into it because I couldn't, on top of everything else, I wasn't able to accomplish what was my role right in the the church ministry, youth ministry. And so, yeah, when I when I was able to be out there, get out there, I slept a lot. I mean, you know, when I got there, the 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 um, director of the camp was like, Hey man, you might you just need to take a nap this weekend. You know, you might, you know, we're going to help you and teach you and, and, but there's not really any like learning time. So it's just a very free weekend. Uh, so I did, I slept in and then after every meal, I would go back and take a nap and I'd wake up and pray and I would read and it was just these things that I needed to like reinstill. um, things that I didn't know that I was missing, you know, uh, some rhythm of being with the Lord um, because it was just to put, put my head down and just go. And so, yeah, that was, it was just so good. I mean, when I, when I did come back uh, from that weekend, after, you know, really being able to, like I taught someone how to do the live stream three days before i was leaving with about a week's experience of running it right and so it was because we had just made that transition too and so talk about it faith. was <laughs> yeah it was really this thing of i have to put this down like i can't hold on to this and and it really was a, a reliance on god and a reliance on the people around me to like hey i have to offload this to you right now because i it is important for me to get away and i'm learning that um, and, and they did great. And when I came back, we talked about it and it, but I was able to come back, not with a, um, I guess I, I would even say when I left, it was very foggy about, okay, you know, I talked about having all these different options for youth ministry on the table, but I couldn't make a decision. It's so foggy of like, I don't even know where to start with, like, I've got all the options, but I don't know, like, what's the best. I can't do a pros cons list because I can't think straight. Um, because I'm so worried about getting it done, uh, but when I came back refreshed and restored, it just helped me to like, okay, now I have these, you know, uh, these thoughts that I'm able to actually think through, and, and not just th- not just throw them in the air and just go, what do I do with them? But actually start to, to piece them together, and even come up with some new new vision and new uh, ways that we're going to accomplish the things that, again, our ministry has always been about. Some of those are going to stay the same, right? Because they were good to begin with. The pandemic that slowed down our ministry doesn't say, uh, and I was able to say this coming back from having gone on a retreat. It doesn't change the fact that like those were good things. Now those good things have to be manifested elsewhere. And in other ways, and it might not be in youth group once a week. Um, so, yeah, it just helped clear my mind and really my heart, you know, um, to think through those things.
0: Yeah, man, that's a very wise approach, because I think in ministry, when we find something that works, and I know I've felt this way and done this in the past myself, when you find something that works, you cling to it. Because it's like, yeah. okay, the students are pretty excited about this and they're coming and they're attending and I can pull it off and I'm excited enough about it to do it every week. right? And to have the wisdom, the patience and the trust to say, look, here are multiple good things. And yes, I love how you you put that. They are good things, but they need to be put elsewhere. We need to figure out okay, how can these be used in best places? They're great programs or they're great elements of ministry, but just because they're inherently uh, good because students respond to them, um, we need to be able to have wisdom and steward what God has given us. And that includes what he's given us through intellectual thought and reflection of our heart and why he has us in ministry And when we find something good, especially in times that are hard, i.e. a pandemic, it's even more tempting just to cling on to that and to not look at or think about anything else because I'm going to ride this like a lifeboat out of here, right? Right. Uh, And so... Uh, or life raft, is lifeboat even a thing? Well, I guess it's like the little rowboat. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, if if the pandemic is the Titanic and you hop on a raft or a little lifeboat, uh, man, you want to stay on that. But to yeah. be able to trust God, you know, to continue the analogy and the storm and the waves, right? It's, man, it takes trust. And especially when things seem so uneven with attendance, with budget, with all kinds of things. Um, It's an example of courage and faith uh, for you and your church staff to be able to take those things, space them out and say, these are good, but let's see what God has for timing with the phases of the pandemic. Let's see what he has for what takes most priority, right? And what people need right now, even though this is good, this might not be what they need right now. So what do they need right now? And that goes back to being fluid, right? Not having such rigid parameters and walls and structures of our programming and how we do ministry, but we have to move with the flow because uh, life moves that way. Good relationships are still hard and messy and and you need to be able to adapt quickly and move with it. And I think that wisdom and space that you got to rest and think about that on the retreat uh, is something that you know ties back to that first question. You know, Where do we find ourselves in this weird season of ministry? Some of those same elements that we have, even in normal times, quote unquote, uh, we see something that might be good, might not be good, but we're tired. We need to rest. We need to escape and then come back to it, right? And taking yeah. a break um, might sound like uh, red tape and closing the doors and the wrong move to do during a pandemic when you're scrambling to get people to attend and people to give, right? But yeah. we still are called to be good shepherds and steward what we have and put the n- spiritual needs and physical needs of people before our own security and, uh, you know, well, this isn't smart, so we're not going to do it, right? There's There's wisdom in how to steward some things that you have for your own security. But if you're putting that consistently above what's the best thing for these people, then we're sacrificing our position as ministers first, right. And administrators second. Yeah. Um, So uh, what would you tell others who are wondering uh, if taking a break has value for them or if they're worried about, you know, we're, we're barely hanging on so I can't afford to take a break or to rest because if I do, my church doors will close or these people will go without this, you know, what would you say to people who are just worried and overloaded at the same time and who need rest?
1: Yeah, man, you know, so, you know, it would have been one thing I think if if I hadn't uh, had pockets of rest. And so I think that's, That's the thing, like, it doesn't have to be this weekend right away. Like, I'm so grateful for it, and the church sent me there, and, you know, it was something that, like, externally I needed to be told to go, right, and it needed to be set up. Like, I couldn't be the one figuring that out. Um, But, like, man, Mondays, after a long four days of recording uh, worship uh, practice or the, the worship for Sunday morning, recording the sermon, editing that, I was just so tired come Monday morning and, and I was actually doing counseling on Mondays. Right. And I still am. Um, And that's another, uh, you know, topic. And I know you've covered that before, but I, I would say just find those pockets. Like the reality is if, if you keep going, then all, all that you're doing is you're setting yourself up for like the very thing that you're afraid to happen. Right, and that that often we're what we're trying to do is I don't need this right to go back to that life raft. Like, if I'm holding on this life raft, if I just hold this life raft together, if I just hold and cling tightly to it and like keep it from falling apart, then it won't fall apart. The truth is, you squeeze too hard on that life raft, you're gonna pop it,
0: right? And it doesn't matter that
1: you've held on to it, like now you're in open water with nothing.
0: That's right, man. That's right.
1: So, I think, I think just figuring out ways to just Take your hands off just a little bit. If if that's all you can afford, it's going to uh, expand longevity to hopefully as you do that in those moments of rest, you'll be able to come to a place. I think that's what I was able to do of, okay, now I can think about this in a way that doesn't send me into like an adrenaline rush of, I don't know how to do this. Like now I'm paralyzed. Now I can't think about not just ministry, but now I can't figure out what am I going to do with my finances? What am I going to do with you know? I need friends too, right? Like I need community in this time. And if I'm so wrapped up in, in trying to keep the ministry afloat, I I won't address those as well. And I I wasn't you know for time during this pandemic. So yeah, that's what I would say is just find find the pockets. Um, you know, yeah, just find the pockets and. and, and and tell people you need pockets. You know, you may yeah, to tell your senior yeah. pastor, like I, my phone will not be on Mondays or Fridays. Like I will not be available. You know, I need that space. And and you know, and even extending that to to your senior pastor as well, or to other staff members, like I'm not going to call you during this time because I, I I want to help give that to you as well.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. That's a a more realistic and very much needed. Uh, idea is finding the pockets, finding the margin. Uh, right. Because uh, if we think that we're too busy for five minutes, which you're not, <laughs> then right. then thinking about two or three days in a row just seems like in another galaxy of right. Galaxies. So yeah, that, that's very that's very good. Being able to think about what are the little pockets during each day and each week where I can take a break. Yeah. And yeah, going back to my lack of sea craft knowledge, um, life <laughs> raft, whatever. Um, I loved that that picture, man, because when we cling to something and we're like, if this fails, then I'm done. My my ministry is done. I'm going to have to yeah. sell my house. Or I'm going to lose my house, you know, or, or whatever. But when we're clinging to something with that in mind, I would say 99.999%, if not 100% of the time, that thing we're clinging to is not Jesus.
1: Right. It is something
0: that we have created. It's something that with our God-given talents and abilities, we've created and crafted and used for His glory, but it's become a sacred cow. It's become something that we have dedicated too much time and too much priority to. At the neglect and detriment of those in our care, for ministry, those in our family and ourselves, and yeah. if that life raft pops, just like you said, and we're in the open water, we're not clinging to what we should be, right? Yeah. Uh, and in order to wait for um, the, the storm to pass and you know to say, "Jesus, you're asleep." Um, but don't you care, you know, that our boat is going to flip over and he stands up and just boom, just, just calms everything. And um, you know, whether it's in a storm or whether it's in a desert and you feel like you're in this drought or you're alone, or if you don't have, you know, that canteen of water or you don't have that life raft, then you're, then you're toast. It's not God that you're hanging on to. It's, it's your trust and your faith in something else that even if it's a good thing, going back to the programming that you said, you know, these things are good, but they're maybe not appropriate right now. And they're not more important than the good one that we serve, the only hey. good God, right? And so uh I love that man. And, and I, I think that that thing or those things that, that we're clinging to, that's probably a big takeaway for anyone listening. Definitely a big takeaway for me. What am I clinging to that's not actually God, right? What am I clinging to that I value more than Him that I think will provide for me better than He will, right? Yeah. And things that I think, well, this is what should happen because this is the way that I think it should happen. And I love Jesus, but you know, I'm really good at this and I'm really experienced at this right? And we just kind of minimize what our faith should should do in certain points of our life when we think, well, it's administrative, it's logistics, it's being realistic, right? We can't just have a leap of faith with everything we do, right? But really, if we're not a people of faith first, then I think we're more of a fraud than a legit believer. And that might be too strong, but I really feel that way. And, and if, if that's the case, that means that we fail a lot, which is true. I fail a lot. You fail a lot. And we all fall short of that right? in Romans. But really, we should be thinking about, what am I clinging to? Is it God first? Great. Well, if it's God first, then I should have the margin. I should have the pockets and room to take a break, to think about what He's given me, to think about who's around me, Uh, what I have at my disposal to be able to use to help others, right? And even if something is successful, um, it might not be the best thing people need right now. Just because it was successful a few months ago and it's still going, doesn't mean it's the best thing for people right now. So even if it's good and it gives me security, I might need to put it on the shelf for a little bit and dive into this, which might be more unknown. It's probably more risky, but I think it's what uh, God has for me to use so others can benefit better than even the current thing that we're doing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I would add, too, you know, one of the things that I had to do from before going off to retreat, right, kind of, I don't know what to do. And then coming back, it was, I have to acknowledge that, like, this might be the end of this season of, of youth youth group being the primary form of ministry, right? Um, One of the ways I did that was thinking logistically and thinking what does it mean to lead in this time? Like parents are going to hear this. And if I don't have the reasoning for it, then it's going to seem like, and this is probably the fear that was driving me not to, or or even to not even to put it on the table, right? Like, no, we're going to keep that. That's not an option. We can't stop this, right? Is I have to celebrate what it was. There has to be some reasoning and there has to be some celebrating. Like, this is what God did during this time, right? Yeah. And and just because we're saying that, like, now is a new season, now is a new thing, and, or we're at least, you know, contemplating what that is, um, we're not abandoning it. This is not abandoning what, what was successful just because it got really hard, right? And I've had to, like, know that for myself that in thinking this, this isn't Hector, like I'm abandoning what God called me to because it got really, really hard. Obviously that happens a lot and we know the horror stories and it probably drives some of that fear. But the truth is, is to celebrate it and to say, God was doing something great. And I think, and I believe, and because of that, I hope and have faith that he will continue doing something. And so I'm going to at least entertain the idea that and and honestly, uh, even just in saying that, I'm going to listen to God to see where He's leading. Because the truth is, is that if that would work, then we figured out a way to do it. You have already like helped people figure out a way that the old way of youth ministry youth group works, at least in my context,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Man. So, yeah, it's being 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 able to say to yourself that you know this was good what was good about it. I'm glad that it happened, but it might be time to move on. Maybe not. Maybe right. it needs to change it a little bit, but, you know, transition needs to be, uh, very much part of, uh, you know, one of our active tools in our youth ministry bag. It shouldn't just be a, what if it should be a, right. well, when this comes or when it's necessary to do it, especially before people are ready. I'm not sure people are ever ready, but, but, Like right when it's in the middle of a great season and people think, man, we're cruising and then we veer off the road and roll into the ditch, you know, like what, what is it going to be for people who are in our care? Do they trust us? Do they see, you know, kind of what I referenced earlier with that stream, do they see the consistency of our heart, of our vision? to know that you know what uh, god put this long-term vision here these people are in an authority and these people are guiding our ministry do i trust them or do i do i just enjoy it because the programming is convenient for my kids you know like we have to be able to instill confidence and trust and gain that with the parents like you just mentioned like i just think about the whole family as a context maybe not just the teenagers for for this and and for that and and i think about that too Uh, you know, with, with our families, like, how can I set them up for success at home and the trust that maybe the students have uh, are the parents just as bought in or is it just more for convenience, you know? And so it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very deep and and layered thing ministry, but uh, especially in this time of uh, madness and, and the using of the word unprecedented and unprecedented, um, amount of times. Um, you know, it's, um, it's good to think about what are we clinging to and better yet, who are we clinging to? Right. And who yeah, are we, uh, encouraging others to, to hold on to with us. Uh, well, bro, Hector, thanks again for joining me today, man. Uh, you're welcome absolutely. back anytime. Uh, I'll be praying for you as you continue to look for God at work in your life, the life of students and those who God is placing in, in your path each day. Uh, if people want to um, look you up online and have other conversations with you, man, where can they find you uh, on the web or social media?
1: Yeah, uh, so Instagram and Twitter, at um, ctexhex, S-E-A-T-E-X-H-E-X. Um, that's where you're going to be able to just, I'm constantly kind of sharing, you know, to, to Twitter, just some things that I'm thinking through and, and Instagram's kind of, uh, a mess of all sorts of stuff, right? But, yeah, I'm, you know, open book as well, you know, uh, questions or, or just to even have, right, these conversations and, like, what might it look like? So, absolutely. Um, and then I write a little bit. It's not, you know, very consistent, uh, but hexradio.com um, is where where I write uh, just other longer thoughts,
0: For sure, man. And if you want to hear some great jams, Hector's always posting some good playlists and different albums and stuff. Uh, Yeah. Well, dude, thank you again for hopping on with me and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Hector for joining me. Be sure to look him up on social media for some great posts and some great jams. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to them. Uh, You can also catch us every Monday night on Eternity Ready Radio at 6 Central. I encourage you to share this episode with anyone working in ministry right now. And hopefully the uh, broad level of conversations and different points uh, can be encouraging as people in ministry know that they're not alone and that we are all in this together, and we need to lean on each other, and most of all, lean in on our faith in Christ. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, adios.